I'm an entrepreneur with a mission to share unique business experiences, tips of the trade, and entrepreneurial advice through fun and easygoing conversations with pros and peers. I'm Cassie, and I'm your host. Let's grab drinks after work every Thursday as we banter and brainstorm. With a shot of business and a splash of pleasure, this is the Mastermind Mixer. I want to take a moment and talk to you about Dubsado, an incredible all-in-one business management platform designed to help you streamline your processes, elevate your client experience, and save time on the tasks that matter the most. Dubsado offers a wide range of features, including client relation management, project tackling, invoicing, and so much more. It's the perfect tool to help you grow and manage your business with ease. And because we love Dubsado and our listeners so much. We have a special offer just for you. Use code Cassie Lane at checkout to get 20% off your first month or year with Dubsado. That's right. You're going to get 20% off when you sign up and you use the code Cassie Lane. That's K-A-S-S-I-E-L-A-Y-N-E. Don't miss out on this amazing opportunity to simplify your business and focus on what truly matters. Visit Dubsado.com D-U-B-S-A-D-O.com and use code Cassie Lane today. Now let's get back to the conversation. Today, we have a very special guest who has been my biggest inspiration in the guide to my small business journey. It's my mom, Kelly. She's the owner of Adamus Healthcare Consulting. Kelly has an impressive career in healthcare spanning over 36 years with nearly two decades of that as a business owner. From employee to employer, she has crafted her path in the medical billing and consulting field, and she's here to share her insights, experiences, and the impact her journey has had on my own experiences. Join us as we dive into Kelly's career, her approach to boosting efficiency and profits in medical offices, and how her need for a side hustle developed into her entrepreneurial spirit. This conversation is filled with lessons, laughs, and a lot of love as we explore the art of problem solving, the importance of resilience, and where we've both found our inspiration. Today's paired drink is a dirty martini, a favorite of my mom's, and a perfect metaphor for our conversation. Just like this classic cocktail, her career journey has been one of exquisite balance, a mix of smooth transitions and bold moves, perfectly shaken together to create something uniquely satisfying. So grab your dirty martini, sit back, relax, and let's chat with my mom. Hi, mom. Hi, Cassie. I am having my mom, Kelly Humphreys, on the podcast today. Um, She has been the inspiration as to why I'm an entrepreneur, so it seemed right to have her on. Um, Her name is Kelly, and I'm going to have her take over for a minute and introduce herself. Hi, everybody. I'm Kelly Humphreys, as Cassie said, I'm her mom. Um, I have been running my own business since 2003. In healthcare, I've been in healthcare for 36 years, 36 years. Wow, that's a long time. (laughs) Um, And it just is, it was a natural progression to go from employee to employer. And I love it. Um, So what are you doing now after 36 years? What do you do now? Um, I run my own business. It's medical billing and consulting, which includes payer enrollment, um, consulting and practices, uh, billing and coding, um, doing a lot of audits. And I also work as a revenue cycle director for a critical access hospital in Indiana. So when people ask me what you do, I'm always like, well, she goes into medical offices and like whips the back end of their business into shape. And is that an accurate description of what you do? Yeah, 
I mean, um, <laughs> like I want to boil it down. Yeah. I want, I want the doctors to do their jobs and I want to make the money for doing that. My, my statement to providers is always, I want you to get paid for every minute of the day that your feet are on the floor. So that's what I do is try to look for opportunities to make sure everybody's getting paid. Um, but you haven't always had your own business, as we mentioned. Um, have you all, have you found it that you've always wanted to have your own business? This isn't a question I actually don't know the answer to. Um, have you always been entrepreneurial or is that something that you fell into? Yeah. I mean, you know, I've always had a hustle. I mean, even when I worked, I mean, when you were little, I was working in a nursing home, going to school and working at a retail store. So, I mean, I've always had to have a side hustle of some sort. So, yeah. Um, so whenever you started, um, Adamus, was it called Adamus when you started? No, it was called TK Consulting. Yeah. So when you started that, um, what was that like taking from like seemingly like a pretty structured corporate background for years and going on your own? Did you already know that there were leads on the other side of that? Or was it like, hey, we're going to try this and see how it goes? No, um, I actually... As I said a moment ago, I went to school and, um, you know, for accounting and tax preparation because I knew that I needed to have every aspect of my life tax deductible. But um, I actually lost a job, came to a critical decision with the owner of the business that we were not going to be able to work together. My mom was um, terminally ill. Um, I had a kid in college and one getting ready to end high school and I had to figure out how to make money and make it quick. So I had several people reach out to me and say, Hey, we've got, you know, I've got this project I need help with. I've got that project I need help with. And so I jumped in with both feet and decided that the best way to do it was as a business owner. So I could use all the tax opportunities. Yeah. I also think that it ended up being, for as, as your daughter and within the family, just the flexibility of your schedule oh, yeah, during that sure. time too was like, and even now, um, yeah. as you, although it's not just as flexible as it used to be, yeah. Yeah. my house and you're sitting at my sister's house and you're helping both yeah. of us. And that was flexibility that we didn't have before. So I think that that was for our family. It was great. <laughs> it's been great. Oh, so that's great. <laughs> um, so I know this, um, person, but I want you to tell me about him and your perspective. Um, your uncle, my great uncle, whose name is Mike and lives in North Carolina. Um, growing up, he was always the person in from me that was the entrepreneur in the family. He was the business owner in the family. So tell me about him and his influence on you. I'll cry. <laughs> um, so he is my mom's older brother. There's three, there were three kids that were literally dirt, dirt floor poor in Southeastern Kentucky. And um, their parents died when they were relatively young. I think my mom was three and Mike was probably six or seven. And then the older brother, Fred was 10 ish. So um, Mike went to live with a family that was affluent in Rowan County, Kentucky. And they helped him get through college. And he ended up in Indiana, as did his brother and my mom. Um, and he went into, he was, he went into business. So he worked, you know, he, he worked with Marsh Food 
um, which is a supermarket chain that was big and popular back in the day. And then with two brothers called the Butterfields, who started their own canning company. So off of that, he started, um, you know, dabbling and importing and exporting and, you know, just kept moving and moving. And, you know, he always opportunity was what he provided. So when I was 15 ish, he uh, had me working at the county clerk's office, micro fishing film. And um, he just was always hustling. And that always gave us an opportunity because, you know, he always had the house with the pool and he always had, you know, the vacations and always made sure there were parties and things that my mom couldn't do for us. So I just really always watched and admired him just constantly kind of move with the progress of what importing and exporting looked like. And he went from, you know, moving sugar cane out of Trinidad and Tobago to having um, international locations in Brazil and Portugal and all over the country. So, you know, I just, if I had a question, I'd just ask him. So just one of those things that his spirit, I think, is what I got to inherit. Yeah, it's interesting because I see you in the position that you hold in our family now. You're one of five. Um, You have four brothers or two brothers, two sisters. And you've taken on kind of that Uncle Mike role of, like you make sure that the family's taken care of. You make sure that we get together when we can. And um, so you you didn't just inherit the spirit of it all. You're actually doing yeah, kind it. of doing so, it. And yeah, you're doing it. You know, really he's cool. he is um, amazing. He just is constantly, you know, telling me how good I'm doing, and that he's so proud of you know where where I am and all the things that probably the most important thing that was ever said was that my mom told me that I was, I was our family's uncle Mike, which was pretty important. Yeah, that is important. I know the weight of that, but it, and it's, it's a heavy, it's a, it's a big shoe to fill as they yeah, say, it is. <laughs> yeah, it is. but you're doing great. Yeah. Thanks. Um, so something that I inherited from you is just like every, everything Every hobby can be turned into a job. Every interest can have be your side hustle. Um, so what has that been like? I know in my personal life, some people are just like, Cassie, let me just have a hobby. But do you find yourself like talking to people and hearing about their interests? Um, another thing that is really cool um, about you, but can also, I think, be a little overwhelming is that people tend to just tell you stuff and tell me stuff like just out of nowhere. And then you're like, wait, how can we make this a fruitful opportunity for you? So how do you handle that? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Tell me about the experiences of just like having this, I'm going to call it, it's not a toxic trait, but like, you know how people say like my toxic trait is, I think our toxic trait would be that people like to tell us a lot of information about themselves and their lives. And then we try to figure out how to make that money for them. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think that's toxic. You know, what's the opposite of toxic? Right, that's I what I mean. It is. More, it's like the the ironic way to say that it's not it's not a bad thing. Right, but it's more of a um, fertilizing trait. Oh, you know, that's what okay. makes stuff grow. Oh, you know, it doesn't toxic toxic kills it. We fertilize it. We we like fertilize that. people's dreams to help nurture them and get them where they belong. It's weird because I have people coming to me now saying, "Hey." I want to retire early. I have this idea. Can you help me figure out how to launch it and take it somewhere? Sure. You know, there's a, there's a, uh, 
a quote that I used to have up on my wall and I don't remember who said it. And, you know, I don't know, I might've been Dwight Eisenhower. I don't know, but it said, when someone asks me if I can do something, I say, of course. And then I set about trying to figure out how, and that's just kind of how I live. So, you know, I've, I always say like, I can figure it out. If I don't know the answer, I can figure it out. Yeah. I don't know everything, but I sure as the hell knows where, know where to go get the answers. <laughs> yeah. Everybody always asks me that this is something that we probably relate on, but I'm like, I know a little about a lot of things and I can yeah. figure out the rest. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Not hard. So where do you, is there, is there a boundary there or do you just dive in and say like, no, I'll, I'll help anybody build anything. No, at any no point boundaries. The only boundary is time. There's only 24 hours in a day. Yeah. And right now those are pretty consumed. And, you know, I found that, you know, eight hours of sleep a night is really very um, necessary to keep my mind clear. So I can do four or five hours for two or three days, but I really need to have a good, a good base. I used to, you know, sleep for four hours and work all the rest of the time, but found that didn't make me a very nice person and also created a lot of brain fog. So I just read um, the editor in chief of Entrepreneur Magazine has a newsletter that's really good. I'll actually send you that. I'll forward it to you. But he recently interviewed somebody for his um, podcast, and she has a book called um, "The Perfectionist Guide of Losing Control" or something like that. And one of the quotes, or one of her philosophies about time management, is that it's not about not having enough time; it's it's not having enough energy. And it's very interesting because she said the exact same thing that you're saying right now is that um, like sleep is productive because it allows me the energy to do the things that I need to do in my day. And um, she also says like conversations with friends are productive because it, it re-energizes you. To, so she challenges people to reframe how they look at productivity and look at it more at energy-based and what is what fills the energy tank so that you can do the tasks because by overloading your task list, you burn yourself out of energy and you have no energy left at all. And then you end up like literally like burning out and not being able to do it. So um, I too am trying to be better um, about sleep and about um, not feeling guilty when I'm not working, (laughs) which is something that happens a lot. I, you know, my ADHD brain won't allow me quiet time. Yeah. And I have, um, do you find yourself, cause I find myself, um, if there's a problem, I get hyper fixated on something until there's a solution. Um, so just do you, how do you handle like problem solving? I know you have like a really, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a really intense isn't the word I'm looking for, but your, your job that you have outside of your consulting um, takes up a lot of your time and you're constantly problem solving. So how do you prioritize those problems and how do you handle all of that? Um, you know, it's the, so the first thing is, is that I kind of live by a, um, by three, three categories of problems. Is it a system problem? Is it a process problem or is it a people problem? So, you know, I kind of focus on everything in that regard. 
and then define, okay, if it's, if it's a system problem, then let's just fix the system. You know, why are we talking about anything else? If it's a process problem, that's going to take a little bit more time because we're going to have to break it down and define where it is living in the process and where it's broken in the process. Is it a people problem? That is the most time. And you want to try to avoid having to identify people problems because the process of fixing people problems never goes away. So when you say identify, do you just mean like coming in contact with those? Like you just want to avoid them? People? Um, <laughs> the problems that like, <laughs> yes, avoiding people would be great. No, I mean, <laughs> you know, one of the, one of the, one of the real struggles that I have is I'm not a micromanager and I, if I tell you to do something or ask you to get, do something or give you a task, I expect you to do it exactly like I want it done. And if you don't understand that, I expect you to ask me and I don't expect to have to hang over your shoulder to tell you to do it today. Right. That's where I really struggle. So I have to surround myself with people and you live this every day that don't expect me to come back and say, do you have that done? I expect you to say, this is done here. You know, you finish it. So when I hand out, I've had to really learn this. When I hand out tasks, when I delegate, which, you know, a, a good manager is a good delegator. So you delegate and then you manage the process. You have somebody else manage the people. So if I hand something out to someone that is a project, I've had to learn that I have to give deadlines. I have to give specific bullet pointed instructions. And, you know, that that is a hard skill for me because I'm just a jump in and doer kind of person. So handing it off to someone and saying, okay, these are the things that need to happen and I need to have it back by this date that's that, that's the people part that's hard. It, do you think that that's the most challenging thing that you run into like in in all of your experience has it always been managing the people or does it depend on the job or what do you think? Um it's it, the people management is just a challenge just because I'm not just managing my staff in my office. I have a staff of 60 at the hospital. I have a practice of 15 in Connecticut that the the doctor owner expects me to provide the administrative oversight. Um, you know, I've got, um, you know, different entities that have, that need resources assigned to them. And I have to manage those entities so that I can allocate my resources appropriately. Yeah. I, um, I am part of Bunker Labs, which you know about. It's an entrepreneur program for veterans and military spouses. And we had our meeting yesterday and I was really trying to define what I do. And I think that in the medical field, it, your job is similar to mine in, in how we come into a company. And one of the people in my cohort um, was helping me kind of define what that title looks like. And he said something, he called me the fractional VP of operations um, because you come in for a period of time for a fraction of the price of a VP of operations and you like whip things into shape and then you walk away. And I thought that that was probably the clearest definition of what I do. Um, and I think that that's very similar to you as well. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. That's a, and that's a great term too. I mean, yeah. that's, I mean, so my, 
my current client slash full-time job at the hospital, I went in as an interim manager just to kind of fill a seat and keep it warm until they could find somebody to, to do the job. And here I am going, you know, September will be four years that I've been there and I'm a, you know, and I'm very, very entrenched in the operations. Not only am I doing the billing office, but multiple other departments throughout the hospital now. Yeah. Yeah, So um, switching gears a bit, when you're not working, what are you doing? Uh, When am I not working? (laughs) What do you do for fun? I love to, um, I mean, obviously I love spending time with you and your sister and the four little girls, but you know, if it's just going to be like grown up stuff, I mean, I love, I love to just hang out and, you know, my, one of my, probably my most favorite things that I don't get to do a lot is, as you know, I am a huge sports fan. So going to a live sporting event is like the bomb. I love it. I don't care what it is, NASCAR, baseball, football, uh, NBA, not so much college basketball. Sure. Um, and if I can't go to a live event, um, I want to go sit in a bar full of rowdy people and, you know, throw jabs at each other about our teams and drink and eat chicken wings. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds delightful. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and, and for a downtime, I mean, it's kind of this, I mean, if it's not that it's like, put me in a lounge chair by a pool with, you know, some drinks and a few people sitting around or, you know, maybe like in, in Jamaica, preferably. Jamaica's okay. I'll take Jamaica every day of the week. I mean, I don't mind Florida either. Um, when I'm in Jamaica, your dad wants to go do activities and you know how I feel about being a tourist. Yeah. My, just for everyone listening, my mom hates being a tourist. Um, we went to, to Europe as a family and she hated all of the tours. <laughs> like she it just, was horrible. It was she's horrible. Just not, that's not where her Drag me around from London to Rome and just, you might as well have just crucified me somewhere. <laughs> yeah, all, I so, wanted was to, all I wanted to do was to lay in a lounge chair in the south of France. It rains. Is, it rains 35 days a year and it rained the whole time we were there. <laughs> yeah, it rained. So that was for her birthday. Um, we were there over her birthday and... Um, this will, <laughs> I'm going to name drop for a second, but we ended up like at the Prince of Monaco's castle. What do you even call it? Like we ended up in Monaco yes, at the palace, at the palace. Yes. Not a castle, but a palace. Um, because a side hustle of my mom's is going to the Kentucky Derby every year and hosting a, a group of people. So um, yeah, we met, we met the Prince of Monaco there through my mom's connections and she's very well versed in meeting people and just like never missing an opportunity to expand the network, which I think is really cool and something that we've been able to benefit from as a family. So that's really neat. And that's the, another reason why it just explains that I love a, love a good sporting event. You know, I've been to the Kentucky oh, yeah, Derby, I've been to the Belmont, Belmont stakes and yes, I do the hats and, all of the nonsense and I'm with a wonderful group out of um, Philadelphia area. And this will be my 15th year. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. mm-hmm. Yeah, And I, um, speaking of like all your hats and all your fancy stuff, you are also raising my daughters to like love makeup and love um, all things frilly and fancy and 
all the things which they're not getting from their mom. So if you can teach me how to braid, that would be great. (laughs) Yeah, that's what your sister said too. I'm currently, you know, braiding the little redhead's hair. That's her jam. So little Ada Maeve needs her hair braided and Mimi's the only one that knows how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know how that didn't, didn't translate, but I got a lot from you. It was not your braiding skills. (laughs) Or, or my uh, sense of fashion. Oh, that's not nice. I'm teasing. Just for the record, we share clothes. I get hand-me-downs all the time. Right. Yeah. Um, So I see you fit on a little questionnaire and you have on here that um, the most important professional mentor was Aaron. Um, I don't know who Aaron is. No, you wouldn't know who Aaron is. You were um, probably little um, Evie Blair's age when I knew Aaron. So the first, and I can't remember her last name right now. I think it's Powers, but she, I worked in a nursing home um, and took on the job as the, the bookkeeper because the bookkeeper that had previously been there had a nervous breakdown and I couldn't understand why she just sat in a closed, dark office and cried all the time. I just couldn't imagine that oh it was gosh, that hard. It was awful. She just cried. Her name was Anita and she cried. To give you some perspective, she left there and went to work in the, uh, for the state of Indiana in the, uh, license branch so you know how li- lovely those ladies are oh, wow um, she, the fact that she chose that after a job that was unha- like that made her unhappy and that the yeah. license branch made her happy yeah i mean all i wanted to do was to figure out how to get the medicaid and medicare checks to come in the mail once a week that was my jam <laughs> so aaron um was about my age um uh married didn't have any kids just this really really cool girl and your she age and when I, you took the job or your age now no, my age when I took the job, she was like 22. Oh, wow. She okay. was a RN. Um, just, and I was like, okay, tell me how we fix all this. So we sat down and she taught me how to read clinical documents and taught me terminology and anatomy and all the things and taught me how to write, um, you know, write clinical summaries to debate insurance companies to pay bills and um, just was, you know, just was really super cool and really chill. And, you know, it was, and I found that I had a real knack for it and I really, really enjoyed it. And here I am. Yeah. It sounds like that really set the foundation for everything yeah, that is to be today. So that would have been, you were born, um, that would have been like in 19, 1988, early 1989. Yeah. So I was a, I was a little itty bitty. I was. Nora Jane or Evie's age, somewhere in between. Right closer so to those, are the, those are the, the two littlest grandkids. Um, there, my sister and I have four girls between the two of us, and there's three that are under three, and then my oldest, who is just shy of turning seven. So, yeah, just a, a little thing. Um, so, what comes after all of this? Is there an after? Do we are we retiring? Are we planning? What are we doing? Uh, I don't think I'll ever completely retire, but. I, you know, I'd like to get to a point to where I'm doing interim work and just going and sitting in a hospital, you know, helping to direct traffic and fix things and then just moving on to the next place. Or, you know, I really like to teach and um, doing, you know, webinars and seminars and educational things and being out in those real social activities that would be, that'd be super cool and allowing me like to travel. I mean, this time last year I was on my way to San Antonio to an event. And ironically, a week ago today, I was on a call with a large national software vendor to help them 
speak to another potential client about a project. And the guy goes, Hey, I know you, I met you last year in San Antonio. Oh, nice. Like, so, yeah. you know, I want that recognition. I want to be the go-to and I want to be able to, to do it from anywhere. Yeah. That's the goal. Right. And yeah. um, you've, you've talked about like other things that you want to explore outside of the medical industry um, and like physician office industry, I guess. And one of them is a boutique and um, is that, is that still on the radar? Are we still, are we doing that? (laughs) I would love to, I would love to do like that boutique gift shop, buy stuff. I mean, and I'm really, I mean, probably one of the most relaxing things that I do for myself, which is really, people really freak out. They just can't believe it is that, you know, I like to just take get in the car on Saturday by myself and just like drive to Goodwills and thrift shops and look for those hidden bargains and, you know, hit the little boutiques along the way. And, you know, that is, that's like a super relaxing day. So I'd love to have like a little like bougie retail or resale shop that has not only resale items in it, but boutique items and like, I like that little houseware stuff. And yeah, we, um, you and I spoke, um, gosh, must've been, six months or so ago, um, about Mark and I's plans, um, to potentially own property and things like that. So I think that maybe when that crosses the table or comes across the table, we can combine forces and put your little boutique on our property and have it all come to life. Cause I do think we already have a name. I just remembered what the name was, but we'll keep it a secret until it's good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm really good at naming stuff. You know that. Yeah, she has um, like my um, hidden, my hidden, your hidden talent yeah. is, um, but they're one offs. Like if you're not ready to write it down, right when it comes out of her mouth, she's not going to remember what she said. Well, I tell so people all the time, like, I can only be, I can only be brilliant once. <laughs> you have to have your pen and paper in hand, but she can give it to you like just as quickly. And, but then the thought is immediately gone. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. But all yeah, right, that well, would be something. It's like the pictures the girls and I did last year for Christmas that are hanging down in the condo. Wouldn't this just be lovely to have in a little boutique signed by each of the little girls and have their yeah. own little art gallery? Yeah, my mom um, did little pictures. My on only craft talent. Yeah, she's she's not the craftiest human, but she does like she pulls something out of the out of the archives every now and again, and she got canvases and ar- acrylic paints. And took Caroline down and just you squirt the paint on the canvas and then you drag um, a yardstick across it. And they turned out so cute. And now they sit um, in frames like hung in my parents' condo in Florida and they look like sunsets and um, just like really cool art um, that you would never know that a a five or six year old did. So, right. um, Yeah, no, I think that that would be cool. We talked about doing that, like having little art shows um, for the Girl Scouts. Again, like turning like a fun craft into like, how can we make money off of this? <laughs> exactly. How can, how can I uh, pimp my grandchildren's art talents? We're not doing any of those handprint bullshit t-shirts. We're doing, <laughs> we're doing some bougie art. Yeah. Yeah. All right, mom. Um, let's wrap up with one last question which I'm going to, we're, we're going to say money's not a, an issue. Like there's money doesn't exist. What's the first thing that you do? If, if you just have like no endless amounts of money, what's the first thing that you do? Um, I mean, by pay, I would pay off all my brothers and sisters debts and probably, you know, nieces and nephews, or at least give them a, 
a jumping off point to resolve their own debt. And, you know, I would buy your you and your sister's dream properties, whatever those look like. And obviously, you know, my dream property. And then I would, you know, start to be Jay Leno's best friend and accumulate as many classic cars as I possibly could own. Oh, yeah, you do love the classic cars. That's it. Yeah. And, you know, I would be very philanthropic about it. And I mean, I'm I'm I wouldn't do anything, you know, super crazy and wild. I just want to be comfortable and, you know, have fun. I mean, so yeah. what it's all about. If I can't, if I can't have a good time, then why the hell bother? Yeah, I think that's, I totally agree. Um, well, thank you for being on my podcast, my brand new podcast. You're welcome. Um, I, love I can't you wait very to much. hear how many people hear it. <laughs> You're, you are the reason that I am doing what I'm doing. So I, it felt, it would feel unauthentic to not have you on. So I love you. I love you too. I appreciate it. And uh, everybody follow along. I'm sure she'll have more interesting people to talk to. (laughs) Love you. Love you too. Bye. You guys, it is wild that I had my mom on my podcast. It feels a little bit like a full circle moment. Um, Someone who I find to be, you know, just tenacious and persistent and successful. Um, as having that role model as my mom and then seeing her on my own podcast um, was so much fun for me and and such a really cool moment. So um, if you want to connect with Kelly, you can find her online um, on her website at adamasconsultinghc.com. That's A-D-A-M-A-S consultinghc.com where you can learn more about her services in medical billing and consulting. You can also reach out to her directly on LinkedIn at linkedin.com forward slash I-N forward slash K Humphreys. That's K-H-U-M-P-H-R-I-E-S. Specifically, if you're not a medical office, but if you ever have questions about any medical bills that you might um, receive, she's always such a a source of knowledge for that. So remember, um, as we talked about, just entrepreneurship is seeking opportunities and not being afraid to jump in with both feet. Um, And I hope that if you take anything from this conversation, it's just to pursue your own journeys and be confident that you're going to achieve great things. So thank you for tuning in to the mastermind mixer today. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate review and subscribe. So you don't miss out on any future episodes. And remember with the right mindset, we can transform any challenges into an opportunity. Here's to our success. Cheers.